Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. True Hauntings is a Human Labs original podcast. A bizarre chain of events in the farming community of Gyra in northern New South Wales that captivated the nation and the world continues to baffle investigators to this day. Known as the stone-throwing, wall-bashing poltergeist, the Gyra ghost targeted a family in Gyra, northeastern New South Wales, in April 1921 for a number of months. The attacks that shook the house and the showers of rocks that broke every window in the home were never explained, but the target was believed to be the 12-year-old Minnie Bowen. Welcome to this week's episode of True Hauntings as we head back down under to our favourite land, Australia, and the town of Gyra. Anne and Renata have been investigating paranormal occurrences for the past 20 years. They have been at the centre of various unexplained phenomena and have witnessed countless ghostly experiences. The duo now turn to high-profile cases that have attracted the eyes of the world. Between the dimensions we see and the dimensions we don't, supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow, forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings. Oh, Renata, we tried to have a holiday, didn't we? It was the biggest mistake we could possibly have made. <laughs> we, we thought going up into the Blue Mountains of New South Wales, up into that fresh mountain air, would be just the thing to reinvigorate the soul. Mm-hmm. But what happened? Everything just turned to rubbish after that, didn't it? Turned to poop. Mm-hmm. Had a big pile of poop in a bucket mm-hmm. that's been stirred often. Um, so, yeah. What, yeah, it wasn't bad enough that um, they decided to put Sydney into lockdown. What was worse was that they decided that the Blue Mountains was part of Greater Sydney. Yeah, yeah. And so they would just been there. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, there was no cases of COVID in the Blue Mountains. There None. was no hot spots. No. There was absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, we were only up there for two nights on mm-hmm. the, the Sunday the 19th to Tuesday the 22nd, I think it was, mm-hmm. and we stayed at a beautiful Lura house. Mm-hmm. We, we really slept it. for most of the time. We did. We were pretty actually. tired. Yeah. Um, had a little bit of eating maybe. Just a tiny bit. <laughs> Just a tiny bit. A of, wee tiny bit. Yeah. The keto diet was out the window. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, we got home and a few days later the Sydney was put into lockdown because of the dreaded Rona. And then anybody who has been in the Blue Mountains <laughs> from the 21st of June must now be locked down for 14 days, regardless of whether you've had a COVID test or not to prove you don't have the sucker. Mm-hmm. So we have had our COVID tests and they all came back clear, so oh, we're all good. And 
Let's just tell let's just tell everyone <laughs> how wonderfully that went. Can we not? Let's just say that one of us made the right decision, the other one didn't. You know what it's like okay. when you go to the supermarket and mm-hmm. you pick the wrong queue mm-hmm. and you're eyeing those mongrels that are over in the other lane that mm-hmm. are zipping through with no issues, meanwhile you're stuck with the one that's got the mm-hmm. the um has to ask a question and everything. Well, Renata won. <laughs> Yay. Oh, look, I went three times. I like I tried three times yeah. to go get a test. Me too. And uh, every time it was either closed or you know, the lineups were out the door and I thought I well, just can't. It wasn't that, only that. It was the lineups were lined up out the door, around the block and down the street. Yeah. But they weren't. Um, sticking to uh, corona protocols. Mm-hmm. They were all piled up on top of each other. Some weren't wearing masks. I'm thinking I'm not going to go and line up to get a, a Rona test to get Rona. Mm. So I just I walked no, away yeah. from that one. Yeah, I wanted to drive through. Yeah. It was just going to be um, safer to do that. So how long did yours take? <clears throat> About 20 minutes. <laughs> how long did mine take? <laughs> Three fecking hours. <laughs> Oh, my God. And I could not believe when you were calling oh, me and going. I'm still here. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm at home having a cup of coffee and Nan's going, haven't moved much. <laughs> no. So what would happen is that they would, um, you'd sort of lined up to get into the place and then there was a fellow that was, you know, allowing a car or two through at a time. And I think, oh, that's okay. They're just pacing out the cars. And so I left the car on for a while and just would slowly move down one car at a time and, and I was looking out to my right and going, oh, there must be another two lines of cars that are trying to come in through to this um, COVID thing. But that's okay. They're moving because he's letting us go, then he's letting them go and it's something. That's okay. What I didn't realise is that that line actually snaked, our line snaked out around the back of the car park, back across the top into those two lines that I could oh, see coming in mm-hmm. from the other side mm-hmm. and then around the corner and then eventually into the tent. Oh my gosh. So I timed it and what would happen is that you you would um, move one car length and then you would stop for three to five minutes. Mm-hmm. I estimate there's about 150 cars in that lineup. Wow. When I finally got into the tent, there was two testing stations. Mm-hmm. So all those cars... We're trying to get through on two testing stations. And, you know, I've got to love the people that are there on the front line um, sort of facing the – they're face-to-face with the people who they think have Rona. So mm-hmm. um, I, good on you guys. You're doing a great job. But you could you could do with more support. Absolutely. You really could. And they were having the best time possible in a really horrible situation. The, I was watching all the nurses and they're all sort of up with their personal protection equipment on and um, they had the music pumping and they had uh, Ain't No Mountain High Enough come oh, up. Oh, my gosh. So they all looked at each other. They all patted each other on the back, all fully gloved and safe, and um, started singing Ain't No Mountain High Enough <laughs> all together, which I know you're not allowed to sing in Rona, mm-hmm. but they had their masks and they had protection stuff on. So they, they were fine. And I just, I tried to get a video of it because it was just so joyful in mm-hmm. such a dismal place that yeah. I, I loved it. And uh, I, on the other hand, had everyone coming up to me going, oh, ghost tours. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Can you tell me all about it? And then I had a lady talk to me about a, um, a incident that happened to her many years ago at Q Station Manly. Oh, yes, my her own, own ghost, yeah, her own, own ghost story. Yeah, oh, nice, nice. So she was saying that yes, I went. Yeah, and people wouldn't believe me. You know, it was really, really hard to say this to anyone. But we were—I don't know whether they were on a tour or they were just going around at that stage. Uh, I don't think there were ghost tours at that stage when she was there. So it's ah, a number must of years back ago. When National parks and wildlife mm. still had it. But she actually said that she saw a young girl in complete white. Uh, in, in her nighty yet in, again. In her nighty, yeah, out in amongst the bushes, so at, mm. at a distance. And she didn't think anyone would believe her until the person that was standing next to her said, did you just see what I saw? Oh, wow. So there were two of them that saw it. That's cool. Yes. I like it when two separate people, oh, God, chills, mm. Renata, they're multiplying. <laughs> <laughs> and we haven't even started oh, yet. Oh, I know, right? Yeah, so that's that was our entertainment. That's the only thing that we got to actually go out and do for uh, a whole two weeks. It was just yep. horrible, horrible. 
My husband had to go and do the shopping. I just literally stayed in my pyjama pants well, you for days on end. you go into a sort of depression, don't you? You do. And we had to cancel all the tours because we yep. found out like 3, 3.30 on the Saturday afternoon that we were going into lockdown at 6 p.m. So we had to jump on and cancel a 7 p.m. tour. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then we had to cancel our um, wonderful Lock and Var house weekend that we had planned and mm-hmm. cancelled the Maitland Jail tour. Mm-hmm. And we were also meant to be at Prince Henry Hospital. That mm-hmm. had to get cancelled. That had to get cancelled. Um, um, and, yeah, further on, uh, the repercussions hit from other tours that were coming up as well. And uh, people just stopped booking. So it went really very quiet. Mind you, I've caught up on Netflix. Have you? <laughs> Yes, well, I, well, actually, you know what I did? I was a bit clever when I actually went for my Rona test. I took reading with me and I started to read the Australian Journal of Parapsychology. Oh, did you? There's actually a really good um, article on there mm. and uh, ghost tourism. Yeah, I found a lot of books that um, I've purchased and never read. Yeah, me too, and so. I built a bookcase. <laughs> Luckily I'd bought it at Kmart and I had put together another bookcase to house all the books. Mm. I had a few new books arrive while I was there. Anyway, look, we need to get on to yes, the story. Let's, let's, we're, get we're let's get on, let's get on, let's get on, let's Get on. It was on the 1st of April in 1921, April Fool's Day set apart for people to have fun. Weird noises in the Bowen house, the rumours raced and ran. This is how the legend of the Gyra ghost began. I said to the girl, if the knock comes again, Ask if that's your sister, May. She replied, I can't speak to my sister. She's dead. I coaxed her, saying, Speak, dear. Even if your sister can't speak, she might knock again. I hardly spoke the words before the knock came again. I can tell you my hair stood up on end, but I continued to coax the girl. And about five minutes later, a third knock came. Then the little girl crossed and blessed herself, put her hands up in supplication and said, If that's you, May, speak to me. She was silent a moment and then began to cry. I asked her, Did May speak? She said, Yes, May spoke. I said, what did she say? She replied, I can't tell you. The message is for my mother. She then went over and laid her head on her mother's lap, crying. Her mother said, well, tell the gentleman what she said. I said, well, the crowd might as well hear the message. I then called in the sergeant, who was followed in by all of the others. The little girl looked up and said the message she received was this. Tell my mother I am perfectly happy where I am and that your prayers when I was sick brought me where I am and made me happy. Tell mother not to worry. I'll watch over and guard over you all. By this time, the whole family was in tears. Otherwise, the silence that had come to the whole group of spectators was most impressive. We waited about the house for an hour, but there were no more knocks. I suggested the Gyra ghost story to you many months ago Mm. and it was one of the stories that we had assigned to the Australian part of the true hauntings. Yep. So we try and do an Australian story every few weeks and now I know why it took so long for us to get into this because there is a ton of information. Oh, my holy molies. My my brain is fried trying to pull all this together with the amount of information that is out there and the conspiracies and the thoughts mm -hmm. and 
Oh boy! But that um, the the soundscape today that I read out it was actually from an interview with Mr. Davy, uh, and this was the Sunday Times, and I I discovered that interview in the book Australian Poltergeist by Healy and Cropper, mm. and that's been a wonderful resource. Yes, yes, they um, certainly write a good story. Absolutely. I myself probably gathered around thirty six pages of information. And then when I looked at it all, I just went, oh, my goodness, <laughs> how am I ever going to make any sense of this? Uh, so, again, it was one of those rabbit hole um, stories that we have come across. But I want to, first of all, take you to a little bit of history about Gyra because this isn't the only story that's come out of Gyra. What? There have been many more. And if you go through some of the YouTube um, stories and posts that have been put on over the years, you'll find that some other investigators have done a bit of digging. And I, I came up with a an alleged UFO crash. What? I came in Gyra? up in Gyra. Um, there is there's another story about a a bit of a, a poltergeist activity in a farm. Um, in Gyra that isn't this one. It's not associated with the, the Gyra ghost. Was it the same time frame? Um, not too far, like, between. Not too far between. Okay. I also read somewhere about um, an alleged rapist that was in the area around the time of this particular story and that it, that person had something to do with this story, but I, I didn't Ooh. get to the connection, so I don't know what oh, that is about. So, so is Gyra our very own Roswell? Oh, strange happenings. I think so. It might be a vortex <laughs> or a portal or something to another dimension. If you know anything about Gyra, send us a message. We would be interested to dig deeper into this little township because it sounds very interesting. What if it's COVID-free? We can go for a holiday. <laughs> Not that that makes a difference. No. So the first recorded European settler in the region was the explorer John Oxley in 1818, and he described the rich pasture lands as the finest open country or park imaginable. I wonder if the people at Gyra think that now. <laughs> and it was settled around 1828, and there were several settlers that took up land around the area. Um, and we've got Alera, Wadsworth, Tenterden, Morden, Gyra, Langothlin, Falconer, Clerkness, Oban, and Aberfoyle. Wow. That's mm. some... Uh, all little townships. Wow, some interesting names in there. Yeah, all, I'd say, English, yeah. Most of the pioneering employees on properties were immigrants from England. Well, there you go. And in 1838, Alexander Campbell took up the magnificent Gyra Station, which encompassed the land of the later township, and in 1838, George and John Everett established Alira, which still exists under this name today and has a historic cemetery you can visit. Ooh, oh, the cemetery calls. I do like a good cemetery. I love the headstones in cemeteries. It's not, I don't ghost hunt in there. I, I just like looking at all the headstones mm. and the stories that are on them. Mm-hmm. Now, we even had Captain Thunderbolt head out that way and he oh, found... he's been everywhere. He has. He gets he has. around. He has. Was he the one that was out at uh, Wallenby as well? Yep. Struth, that's yep. a long way apart. Yep. Uh, and so he was in the area. He also held up a house at Sandy Creek and a store at Olira. Um, and one of his hideouts, Thunderbolt's Cave, can still be found just off the New England Highway at the top of the Pinch. The pinch. The pinch. Mm. Now, the railway in 1884 brought further development to the area and the village of Gyra was proclaimed, so it eventually finally existed. It was a dot on the map. And in 1890, Gyra had a postal service, telegraph, money order and savings bank, a railway station, three hotels, a public school, three churches, police station and a sawmill. Well, with only three hotels, you know that's a small town. <laughs> yeah. Now, in the late 1800s and early 1900s, the region boasted an extensive mining industry around gold and tin, uh, and there was even a dyna dy diamond mine on the lagoon. Now, this lagoon is apparently where the UFO crashed. Oh, it's picking up our diamonds. Mm -hmm. So most of the mines were situated on the eastern side of Gyra, 
And to the west, tin was discovered at Tinga and Elsmore, and thousands of people flocked to Tinga tin fields. So at the height of the rush, it was reported that 6,000 to 7,000 people lived in the area. Mm. So Gyra is probably most famous as the home for the Gyra ghost, which made national news in April 1921. Mm, it became a whole town concern. Mm-hmm. So the mystery of who or what haunted the local residents remains unsolved. Mm-hmm. Mm. So February 1960, Gyra was once again in the national spotlight as a four-day search took place to find a four-year-old boy lost in the bush. A song penned by Johnny Ashcroft, and we were all just too young to remember who Johnny Ashcroft was. But Renata knows who it is. (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha. I'll just say one word for the oldies, bandstand. That's all I need to say. And there's people everywhere in the world (laughs) going, going, hey, what? what? (laughs) And, uh, uh, yeah, ensure that the story of the little boy lost lived on. Also making headlines were two F-111s that crashed near Gyra, the first in 1977 and another in 1993. Oh, maybe we've got a Bermuda Triangle thing Mm -hmm. happening. Now, December 1999 is when a UFO landed in the local water supply dam. Hang on, it landed? Yeah. You're saying that as a matter of fact, that it was obvious and it was really there? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, And that made national and international coverage of the story. Um, but uh, they suspected that it was a meteor and nothing was ever recovered. But if you listen to some of the podcasts, apparently they dug through the sludge and they bought up bits of metal or something. Ooh. And so, you know, then the story started about what this could be and whether actually anything had been bought up from the depths or not. Because you know what it's like. Oh, well, I also Let's know that uh, in times gone past, people used to dig holes and bury their rubbish. Um, my dad used to do that all the time. He'd, he'd get a big hole in the backyard and he'd chuck the old fridges and everything in there and then <laughs> fill it back up again. And it'd be like, um, you, you imagine 100 years' time, they're going, oh, look at these artefacts. I know. Oh, They'll be in a museum one that's day. Some mammoths. Tooth, if ever I've seen it. No, that's just the refrigerator, mate. <laughs> mm. So this is this is where it gets interesting because there are, like I said, several stories of weird and wonderful things happening around Gyra, and you kind of go, is it Australia's own Roswell, as you said, some sort of a portal? Not that anything actually happened in Roswell, so we found out once we went there. <laughs> yeah. What a hole that was. Oh, sorry, Roswell people. I do love you all, but it was not what I expected. The cardboard cutouts everywhere were fabulous. We've oh, got lots of photos done with them. But, no. And uh, the Roswell at uh, the, um, oh, what's the store over there that they all love? You know, it's like Kmart. Walmart. Walmart. Oh, my God, yes, we did see some aliens in Walmart while we were there. <laughs> Sorry. So I'm going to introduce this story and then you're going to run with it because you've done the research. I don't know how long this episode's going to go for. It might mm. end up being two. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. So in the autumn of 1921, in the town of Gyra in northern New South Wales, the township found itself in the international spotlight because then for a period of about six weeks, the world watched in a morbid curiosity as a worker's cottage about a kilometre from the town centre was assaulted by a destructive invisible force. The occupants were driven to despair and the rest of the community tottered on the brink of mass hysteria. You can imagine in a little town like that everyone would know what was mm-hmm. going on and everyone would have had an idea of what they thought was behind oh, this. Yeah. Now it began one morning when Bill Bowen, uh, who was a foreman that worked in Gyra Shire Council, walked into the town's police station and complained to Sergeant Ridge that during the night someone had placed a heavy wooden railway sleeper up against a window of the cottage and he that he and his family rented. Mm-hmm. And the weird thing is in a lot of the reports they leave that piece of information out. Right. Um, and they, they start the Gyra ghost story from the stone throwing. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Now, just before you go on, what was the the date of that? Does it say? Um, it was the day before uh, 
Or it would have been, no, it was the day before April Fool's Day. So 30th of May. Yes. Hang on. 30 days. How's September, April, May? May. Yep. So 30 30th. Yep. So it was cool. the day. It was the day before uh, April Fool's Day, okay. uh, 1921. So the sergeant sent his two constables out to investigate. One of them was Roy Stennett, that recalled the story about 50 years later and said that they got to the Bowen's house, they inspected the window and removed the railway sleeper, leaving it 50 metres from the house. Yeah, because the other report, it wasn't just the sleeper, it was that somebody had removed some of the putty around the glass. Aha. Uh-huh. Yes. Right. So as if they tried to put the sleeper into the house? I don't know. That's really weird that the, the putty around the window got partially removed. Yeah, that's that's really weird. And the I have to also say the, the railway was about a mile away. Mm-hmm. So it was a long way away and they don't know how that railway sleeper got there. Mm-hmm. So because it had been April April Fool's Day. Well, almost they, April yeah, Fool's they, Day. They kind of said that it must have been a prank. Yeah. Um, and they really dismissed it at that point in time. Um, but it was it, it was really annoying that they had to be called out and have a look at this. Um, and they they convinced Bowen, the father, that someone was pulling his leg and, you know, making fun of the whole thing. The constables came back later on. And in secret after dark, they kept watch on the house to see when the, whether anything ha- was going to happen. And so Stennett and his colleague arrived for the second time that day after dusk and they settled down in some bushes to watch. So they expected to see absolutely nothing, but less than an hour later they heard the crack of a .22 calibre rifle close by and the sound of a bullet ricocheting off the house. Mm-hmm. So they ran towards where the shot had come from, but they couldn't find anyone. They returned to the house where Bo and his wife and the three children were huddled in the kitchen, clearly frightened. Yep. yep. The next day the police and most of the township were distracted by another problem, an 80-year-old Irish woman, Mrs Doran, who had been seen wandering around a paddock the day before with a potato in each hand. <laughs> I read this story. And she I, had not returned oh home that night, so a full-scale search Apparently was undertaken. somebody saw her in the fields and said, what are you doing? And she said, I'm returning to the motherland <laughs> with her potato in each hand and wandered off over a hill never to be seen again. Oh, my goodness. So do you wonder that, whether that was like a dementia? Yeah, it sounds like it. Oh, that's very sad. It is. Do you want to take over and continue with this story? Yeah, because it sort of then goes into the poltergeist story. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll I'll pick it up and continue yeah. on from here. Yep. So it it was a bit of an unfortunate fortunate coincidence that this whole thing started on the first of April because this is where people were wondering: Is this true? Is this a, a just a, a practical joke, or um, is this a true? issue that is going on. But the the law, the rule, unwritten rule of April Fool's Day jokes is that you don't do any practical jokes past midday. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? No. No, I, I got told that when I was at school um, because I got done by some boys who told me that the front half of the school had caved in. So I went railing out the front going, oh, my God, and going, there's nothing. Then I went, ah, April Fool's. Do you remember they showed on TV... Uh, on the ABC many, many years ago, and, I, I mean, I'm not going back to say I saw this on TV many, many years ago, but they, they replayed it. Many where, thousands of years <laughs> ago. Where they um, they put on the, I think it was the ABC, that uh, there was a farm somewhere in Australia that was actually farming spaghetti trees. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love- and they were pulling spaghetti. Spaghetti. <laughs> I love clever, trees. clever ones, and people believe it. Yes, they did. Oh. Yes, they did. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so this this is where the one of the issues came up. They thought that it could be a prank, but the the phenomena, as you said, started before. Now, mm-hmm. apparently, that sleeper got put there the first time, and the putty was picked out the window. He went in, and reported it. Mm-hmm. Um, they came and had a look, and they moved it and put it in the woodpile. The next night. 
it happened again and more of the putty was picked out of the window and uh, the father went back in and said, look, this has happened again and this is why they came back the next night to see who was playing silly buggers Mm -hmm. so they could catch them. But there was also another incident that happened with Minnie. Now, Minnie is the little girl that it's all centred around. So Mm -hmm. she was about 12 years old. She alleged that she was pursued by a man attacking her with stones. So she she saw the man following her and she started to run and that's when he started to peg stones at her. Now, remember that rapist story yes. that I said? Yes, which I didn't know about, so that's really interesting. So mm. she was a good girl that she ran away. Yes. Um, the father and the neighbour went out to search for this man so whether she was doing a, an April Fool's Day joke at that stage saying I'd been followed by a man who threw stones or whether that really happened, although people who spoke to her when it had happened straight after mm-hmm. said she was very sincere and they mm-hmm. believed her. Mm-hmm. Um, so the father and the neighbour went out, looked, couldn't find anything anywhere, but it was that night that the stone throwing began. So uh, this is the the first sort of article that appears about this case, and it's called Bush Mystery, Will-o'-the-Wisp Stone Thrower, Arm Searchers Defied, Glen Inn Saturday. There have been strange happenings at the residence of William Bower, and it's actually Bowen, they misspelt it, um, a ganger in the ploy of Gyra Shire. The dwelling is a weatherboard cottage of four rooms situated in a rather isolated locality, about half a mile out of the town. The occupants include there, uh, beside the mother and father, were three children, one girl about 12 years old. The mystifying events commenced with the girl alleging that she was pursued by a man a quarter of a mile from her home and who attacked her with stones as she was running away. He disappeared right before she reached home. So that means he's followed her to her house mm-hmm. if, if he does exist. So he knows where she is. Mm-hmm. Could he have put that sleeper up at the window trying to get into the house? Mm, I wonder if he was a pedophile that put an eye out on Minnie. Oh, that makes, oh. Because that would then make sense if he's trying to get into the house via a window. Mm. He knows where she lives. But why a railway sleeper? That's really odd because that's really heavy. So as I said, that's when the stone throwing Mm -hmm. started to happen. So this is the rest of the article. At night, the family was much disturbed by stone throwing, the missile striking the walls. The attack was naturally attributed to the individual who molested the girl in the afternoon. Now, that's the words, molested the girl. A search was made for the offender with no success. Constable Stennett and Taylor went to the house the next night. Shortly after their arrival, a pane of glass was smashed by what appeared to them to be a P-rifle, which is a twenty-two bullet. Search was immediately instituted, but no trace of the cause could be found. Now, um, there's several reports. Um, The policemen themselves said the bullet ricocheted off the window, Mm -hmm. but further reports, for example, in this newspaper, they say it broke the window. Mm -hmm. Little inconsistency there, but doesn't stop the story for what it is. So the the police decided to set up like a sting operation. Um, They had three police and four civilians outside the house and um, they they hid to see if they could witness who it was that was throwing these stones. They couldn't work out who it was. The stones were thrown, but they couldn't see who it was. The next night, the police and ten civilians armed Mm -hmm. surrounded the house Now, Sergeant Ridge witnessed window smashing in front of him and then another. They found nothing apart from two stones which were found on the girl's bed. Now, my question is... A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. In any of these reports, I can't find whether they say the glass smashed into the house or out of the house. Mm -hmm. Because that would tell you a lot Mm -hmm. if the projectile came from inside the house or outside the house. So then we go on to the next night. They got more people in. They even got a big spotlight, a big searchlight. But when they put that that big spotlight on, those phenomena would stop. Now, this goes into the whole spiritualist thing where they say that um, white light can break up the energy of the spirits and that they can't... um, manifest, mm-hmm. which is why we all turn the lights on when we get scared, mm-hmm. uh, or is it because there was a culprit that was hiding who would be seen in that light? That's true. Now, the, the family were quite upset, but I've got a whole timeline here. I'd like to go through the timeline mm-hmm. yes. of, of what happened. Now, Minnie said that firstly that with that stranger, she couldn't recognise them. She didn't know who they were. It's only a small town. There's a 1,000 people in the town. You mm-hmm. would know everybody that was in there. And if a stranger had come to town, everyone would, would be talking you about would, it. They'd be talking about it. Yep. So nobody knew who this stranger was. Nobody had seen them. Um but some thoughts that maybe there were some boys that were teasing Minnie and using catapults, you know, slingshots. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are they called? Shanghai's. Yeah, they're Shanghai's. But one of the stones that landed was about the size of half a brick. Oh, that's a huge one. <laughs> it's pretty hard um, to put that in your Shanghai and fling it. Yeah, absolutely. Do they say anything about the stones being hot? Well, no, they're not. Um, and I, I sort of get to all of that towards the end okay. because right. there are traditional um, phenomena mm-hmm. that happens with poltergeist uh, things and some of it lines up and some of it doesn't. Now, interesting fact about the family, it was a blended family. We had the Brady Bunch happening. Um, so there was Kath- Kathleen, I think it was, and William. And now Kathleen was 35 and William was 20 when they got married. Oh. And Minnie was born within Nine months of their marriage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we think there might have been a little bit of an oops there, maybe, maybe. And like in that time. Some hanky-panky. Some hanky-punky. Around that time, that was a big no-no. You you weren't allowed to do that sort no. of thing. So th- she had a half-sister and uh, this is where the half-sister will come in shortly as well. Uh, so the half-sister's name was May. Mm-hmm. And she had an illegitimate son by the age of 20. Now, um, May died, I think, around about her 21st birthday, uh, and she died from heart failure. Mm -hmm. And the family raised the son, but in actual fact it was Minnie who took on most of the responsibility of looking after her half-sister's baby. And I have May's obituary here. 
An extremely sad death occurred in Armadale Hospital on Wednesday of last week when Miss Mary Hoda, daughter of Mrs. W. Bowen Gyra, passed away at the early age of 21 years. The cause of death was heart trouble, from which the deceased girl had suffered for considerable time. Very much regret has been expressed by her numerous friends, the family being an old and respected one. The remains were interred in the Church of England Cemetery, Armadale, on Thursday morning, etc., etc. Okay, so that's an interesting thing there, an old and respected family. But this is her side. Yes. Because he's not even mentioned and the name hasn't been changed. He was actually a little bit of a larrikin, apparently, up until he became a married man Mm -hmm. and a dad, Mm -hmm. uh, and then he settled down a lot. Now, if we sound a little bit discombobulated in this story and we're jumping all over the place, it's because we were really overwhelmed with the amount of information. And I've I've tried to put it t- together in some sort of logical sequence so we can work through what happened. Mm. And like I said before, a lot of the information that you get about this story is the events that occur mm-hmm. with the stone throwing and the whole poltergeist thing. You don't hear about the family mm-hmm. and what's gone on beforehand. And that's really important, particularly for a 12-year-old girl who has gone through stress of some form. But we'll get to that. Don't we can't okay. go ahead. Okay. But um, a lot of this information has come from a fabulous podcast called Forgotten Australia. Mm-hmm. So uh, jump onto there and support that channel as well. They're doing a bang-up job in there. I'm really quite impressed. All right, so we've talked about the family, blended family, come together. They're all living in this little house. Um, Now, the time, what was going on around this time uh, was that Arthur Conan Doyle was in Australia promoting spiritualism. Mm -hmm. So he got Um, really interested in this. Yeah, because this was when, like, we've had a a world war. There was people overseas who have died. Um, We've had the Spanish influenza come through Mm -hmm. and wipe out a whole hell of a lot of people. So there were a lot of people who were searching for their loved ones, missing their loved ones, didn't have... um, Closure, mm-hmm. so to speak. So this this was something people were clinging to. Um, he apparently was doing these talks where he had photos of ectoplasm and the fairies, which we the did fairies, a talk yes. on the Paranormal United Network about the fairies only the other week, mm-hmm. um, which the, apparently has all been proved to be fake except for one photo that the girls claim was real. Uh, so there, because of this rise of spiritualism, There were sceptics out there who were rolling their eyes and sneering, and then there was the holy rollers who were condemning him to hell. So you had these different polarities that were happening and and people who were in between torn and interested. They're not sure whether they should be interested because they'll look like idiots or if they'll go to hell. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But it did raise the profile of spiritualism, and he actually was on a train that went through Gyra. Mm -hmm. Can you believe this? Mm -hmm. If he had known that this was happening, he would have gone off that train and gone and had a look. Arthur Conan Doyle actually came to Newcastle. Isn't that just astounding? I know. Oh, so, look, it, it was a very small town, as I said, only a 1,000 people. It was known for its sheep and potatoes, mm-hmm. as that poor lady was wandering around with her potatoes. Poor lady. Oh, That's so sad. So um, the, the the first thing that happened, 1st of April in the evening, stones thrown, all of that, and the report of the stranger, um, there was another report said that the the shower of stones didn't start for a few days later after Mm -hmm. the 1st of April. It's hard to tell. Now, as we mentioned, there was also the 22 that was fired, which makes it more serious, which is why the police really got involved and started coming around with civilians trying to catch whoever it was. Um, So we go on to the 5th of April where 7.30pm it kicks off. It seems to kick off around about that time, which is interesting because... Normally this would be what you call a spontaneous event, but it's not. It's actually happening at a certain time. They, they've sort of realised at this stage that Minnie seems to be ta- the target of what's happening and no matter where they took her, the stones seemed to follow where she was. They, they even tried an experiment at one stage where um, the stone, she was in her bedroom and she'd had people standing around her watching her. So they knew it wasn't her because they had eyes on her. 
and um, the 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 stones were being targeted at her window. Mm-hmm. So they, without telling the people outside, moved her quietly out into the kitchen. The stone started out on the kitchen as soon as she got on in there. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? You don't have to physically be throwing the stones, though. If it's psychokinetic, she doesn't have to actually be holding the stones. Yeah. They also tried to experiment to take her to another house in the same town, which is quite a distance away, and there was no attacks on either house that night. Mm-hmm. So no attacks on her house as well as the new house. I did hear a bit of a story that they took her to, I think, her grandparents' place. Yeah, I get to that. Don't, okay. don't you muck All up right. my timeline, woman. Okay. I'll be having a conniption. <laughs> You'll go into a tiz. I'll have a tiz. <laughs> I'm going to get a T-shirt made up saying I'm having a tiz. Back off. <laughs> um, now, there was the 8th of April so because news is getting out by this stage mm-hmm. and um, the local newspaper had published stories on it. But there's a really whole interesting thing that happens with the newspapers as well. But let me get on to this. Okay, all right. The motorists drove out to check out the cottage um, and when they got out there, a stone went flying past them and hit a tree. And they thought it was one of the policemen who was on guard there. So they've sort of said, hey, you, that's not funny. He's gone, I didn't do it. But now this is cool. There was an eccentric old man that came over to them and said, if you find that stone and it has a cross on it, I can tell you what's going on here. Yeah, no, Renata's just rolled her eyes at that. <laughs> what? So they dug around and found the stone and sure enough, scratched onto the stone was a cross. Now this man, the older man who's eccentric, was Mr Cox and he was the landlord. Oh. Now he looked very scruffy and um, sort of a bit, you know, weird. But apparently he was quite wealthy mm-hmm. because he didn't spend money on anything. Let's say get wealthy. Because they had the, the rock with the cross on it, he told them what was mm-hmm. going on. He claimed he was Christ's messenger. Okay, yes. And that he was a prophet mm-hmm. and has said that Jesus is coming back and when he did he was going to live in that cottage. <laughs> of course. What is going on in Gyra? <laughs> It must be in the ground. It must oh. be the water. I'm saying the water. The water's a, got stuff in it. Is it on a ley line or something? I don't I know. Some <laughs> weird shit going on there. <laughs> anyway, yep. so um, there, there's the possibility now. Okay. If if he was wanting to, he could have done that himself and mm-hmm. drawn attention to himself. But there's a reason why they might also want that cottage vacated because Jesus was coming to stay. <laughs> He's he's booked a room on Airbnb. <laughs> he's coming in. Oh, it wasn't a, on a diamond mine or a tin tin. Uh, I don't know deposit or something. Well, diamonds. You said there was diamonds. Yeah, there's diamonds. Yeah. So now in the middle of all this, so we're we're right. up to about the eighth of April, but yep. it was around the sixth of April that poor old Mrs. Doran was found with her potatoes in her hand. <laughs> don't laugh, Renata. The poor woman. Oh. <sighs> But there was another woman at the same time who had been dangerously ill, right? Yeah. Um, she'd been really sick for a while, um, but she got suddenly worse mm-hmm. and they blamed it on the happenings at the Gyra house. Mm-hmm. It was, it, yeah. Now the townsfolk are getting whipped up into a tiz. <laughs> whipped up into a tiz. <laughs> I thank Josh Jr. for that. For the tiz. Um, anyway, so... Uh, the, 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 the locals are getting edgy. They're starting to keep guns mm-hmm. to protect themselves because mm-hmm. there's somebody's fired a bullet from the 22. Mm-hmm. Um, but sadly, there was a Mrs. Parker who had put a revolver handy on the shelf for her to get to, and her six year old boy got it <gasps> down to play with it and shot his five year old sister oh, in the face. No. Oh my gosh. Luckily, she survived. Apparently, it hit her cheek. And um, I'm not, I don't want to go into too many, days, but it hit her cheek and came out her eye or something. I don't oh. know. But uh, she survived it. Mm-hmm. Oh, Anyway, they brought Minnie back to her house and um, she was sitting on her bed with a constable. So they're, they're starting to keep a watch on this family 24-7. Um, and a walk, a walk, <laughs> a walk on the wall, a rock went through the window uh, and uh, onto her bed, right? So... This was in daylight. Mm-hmm. So now we're starting to get manifestations in daylight, which sort of debunks the whole um, they're in 
yeah, under yes. cover of night. Yeah. But can you imagine the stress on Minnie and the family at this point in time, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how much it's escalated? So that night was the night that they turned up at the 40 volunteers. They had the searchlight. Um, now, the, the story I read before said that when they had the searchlight, there was no thrones. But at 6.45, stones started being thrown and banging into the house and every window had now been smashed in the house. Mm-hmm. But I think when the light was on is when they stopped. So at this stage, the big city papers had got hold of it and they claimed it was a spook and the house became known as the Mystery House. Mm-hmm. Now, on the 9th of April... People guarded the girl in the bedroom. More were around outside. And this is when they moved her to the kitchen to test the theory. Was it following her or not? Um, Somebody did come up with a theory that the stones were suddenly becoming explosive. Right. Going bang and hitting windows. Yeah, I'd roll my eyes at that one too. Uh, Another theory was somebody wanted the house, was trying to push them out so they could get the house. Mm -hmm. For Jesus. Well, hey, Sus. Um, uh, and the other theories was the land was pushing them out for Jesus, but um, he was old and not terribly nimble and wouldn't have been able to pull this sort of stunt off. Mm. Uh, and another theory was that it was the spiritualist movement and that there was a ghost trying to get a message across to the family. Right. Now, uh, there is also noted here that we have some similarities to the Fox sisters, mm-hmm. right, where it's the start of spiritualism and the knockings and the bangs and mm-hmm. all that sort of thing going on. But the Fox sisters came out and said that it was all a hoax and they were cracking their joints and, and everything. Uh, well, one of the Fox sisters did, not all of them. Uh, but she later recounted that and said that she said that because her new husband had told her to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but people always leave out that part of the story. Uh, so because the Fox sisters at that stage were so, supposedly debunked, people said, you know, it's it's her doing it just like the Fox, Fox sisters. But there were very loud rappings and bangs that were happened. Now, uh, there was letters to the editors coming in as well and uh, there was a letter from Harold Matthews that said something similar was happening in South Africa. Uh, A house was attacked by stones for a week, focused on a disabled girl. The house was watched and nobody could catch the people. A stranger appeared and told them that they needed to collect all of the stones and burn them. Once they did that, the activity stopped. So it reminds me of a case that you're dealing with right now. Yes. Now, you haven't told me the phenomena that's happening around this young girl, but you've you've actually got somebody you're helping, aren't you? Yes. So at the moment there is, and I'm not going to say too much because um, I haven't cleared this with the family. Oh, Um, sorry. I'll put you on the spot. (laughs) But, yes, there is is a case of um, someone. And, look, I've been to places like this before where there is activity around a particular child and uh, I don't think that the lady that I was contacting really understood my methodology in the questions that I was asking because I actually asked nothing about the spirit mm-hmm. or the ghost. I was actually asking about what was happening within the family and this, the, the, the emotional state of the child. Um, and for me, the most important thing is to look at what is going on um, within the family first to see what is happening. And so often it's very relevant. Yes, so often it is very relevant. And one of the things that this particular lady said to me was that just recently this particular child had started to watch all of the ghost hunting shows and become quite obsessed with the ghost hunting shows. Oh, okay. So that didn't help. But let's move on. Let's move on. So, um, and once again, I get some conflicting reports between um, different articles and books and things that I've read. The the uh, podcast said that on the 9th of April, the, the girl was guarded and um, they moved to the kitchen. But the other, the Australian poltergeist book was saying on the 9th of April, um, absolutely nothing happened. Mm. So... There are so many people reporting on this thing now that uh, it's like Chinese whispers where things start to break down. Uh, Another possible theory was that it was a possum, but it was way too loud for it to be a possum. Apparently these bangs were so loud that they were heard uh, for over 100 feet away. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there was a, a policeman. I mean, these guys were being 
really canny with what they were doing. They were trying to work it out. So mm-hmm. they had one policeman that put his ear up to the house on the outside and he was saying, no, the sounds are definitely coming from inside the house. Mm-hmm. Policeman on the other side putting his ear up to the, the wall going, no, it's definitely coming from the outside. So it was coming from in between. The Space Between, let's give that TV series a plug <laughs> on 7 Plus right now. How was that for a segue? Awesome. I know, right? But the the Bowen family were just so closely watched by the police, by the townsfolk, by everyone, and they all tend to agree that they weren't doing anything. They were terrified. They were over this. Mm-hmm. But there was uh, another two previous type of hauntings from around the area uh, or in New South Wales. Uh, there was one that they reported back, and, and these could actually be stories on their own. I'm not going to go into all of them. I'll just give you a little teaser. There was the Large family. Mm-hmm. The, the last name was Large. and They were because it was a family of 15 children. Holy moly, that woman's bits must be sagging. My goodness. <laughs> There'd be no muscle tone left whatsoever. Oh, and that doesn't that doesn't tell you how many she would have lost as well. And this is February 1887. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No contraception. No. Um, so they had stones that were falling from within the house. Mm-hmm. They would materialize in the air, white, mm-hmm. so just pop up before your eyes, and then fall to the floor and turn to black stones. Mm-hmm. This is this is where that heat comes in. Uh-huh, come uh-huh. in hot, and then they drop hot to the floor. And, strong. and this this is what happened uh, when we were researching the story of the Humpty um, Doo. Not just Humpty Doo, but also Humpty-Doo. in England. The oh yes, the black black, black monk. friar. Yep, black yeah black black monk friar of Pontefract. <laughs> I think it's monk, not friar. But anyway, because we got in trouble off the boys, they couldn't work out it was a monk or a friar. We kept changing it anyway. Yeah. Um, so they, they would normally start about 5 in the afternoon and finish about 9 p.m. at night. Uh, and that was even reported in the Bathurst Free Press and Journal. Oh, my gosh. Mm, they hit the big times there. Uh, and it was centred around Mrs. Large and she didn't like it. She was really upset. There was no internal ceiling, so nobody can hide up in there. Um, they had watchers who were watching outside. Nobody could work out what it was. Even some of the kids were hit and they said it felt like small bags of feathers hitting them. Oh. How's that? That's weird. That's really interesting. All right, and there was another one. It was known as the Enmore Mystery, which was in Sydney's Inner West, and that was only seven years after that one. So what's that, 1893, four? I knew 94. My maths aren't great. Um, which was three terrace houses that were affected, and they were being bombarded by full bricks and pebbles. Uh, one of the residents was a, a police officer, and at one stage they had over 600 people coming in to watch <laughs> this happen. Can you imagine that? Uh, yeah, anyway, if you want to, well, we might look at the Enmore Mystery and see if we can find out enough about that one to do a case on it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I also heard a, a mention of West Maitland, but mm-hmm. I, there was no more information on that. Anyway, back to Minnie. So it seemed that the spooks seemed to arrive on schedule, sort of around a certain time every night, and it's not spontaneous. On the uh, There was a, an article in the Glen Innes Examiner that described Minnie as being Ordinary, intelligent, if not dull. Mm-hmm. Oh, I dread that. I dread that as well. It's horrible. Yeah. And you always see her with this really sad face. Yeah. And they say she had eyes that went right through you, yeah. just penetrated. All right. So um, once again we have some different stories happening where they said uh, – that nothing happened on the, the 12th of April, but then in another article that said things did happen. But I'm, I'm going to, to go over into the Australian poltergeist now because these guys, I'm just so impressed with the work that they've done in this. Um, so this is where a doctor and now arrived on the scene and he was a sceptic. He thought this was all bogus. Mm-hmm. Um he brought his own party of volunteers and they surrounded the house and cordoned off the area and he placed his most trusted friends close to the building and uh, other men in every room of the house. He kept particular close watch on the family, um, particularly Minnie. Uh, he sprayed the entire walls of the sleeping room with licorice powder. 
I don't know whether that would show. It's like talcum powder, I suppose, mm-hmm. and it would show that if anybody touched anything or right. did anything, I'm mm-hmm. guessing, mm-hmm. Um, and had a deep hole cut through the shutter and curtains, unknown, unbeknownst to the Bowen household. I don't think they're going to get their bond back somehow or other. They're tenants. Uh, anyway, nothing happened that night and uh, the next morning one of his supporters suggested he might have chloroformed the spook. <laughs> um, and then nothing happened so the, the next Thursday uh, and Saturday. Uh, so, you know, did his cynicism dampen the activity? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Because we know what happens on ghost tours if we get a cynic in. Mm-hmm. All activity all seems to stop. Yeah. So, as I said earlier, there was the um, spiritualists were up and coming and this is where we we meet a new player of the game, Ben Davey from Urala. Uh, He was a student of theosophy uh, and he heard about this case and came out on Wednesday the 13th and they were willing to have everyone come in and, and try and help them and work out what was going on. And he was the one that suggested that maybe... It was May that was trying to get hold of Minnie to give her a message. Now, if Minnie has become virtually the mother mm-hmm. of raising May's son, yeah. Clifford, then I could see why that would be a very strong possibility. I mean, I think that would be something that I would be suggesting as well. And this is where the soundscape that I read uh, comes into to play. So that was uh, a story from the Sunday Times uh, where he was interviewed, and that was the, the the recollection of the conversation that they had. Mm-hmm. How long before all of this started happening did May actually pass? She passed earlier that year. So it was still... Still pretty fresh. Still pretty fresh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this started happening around April Fool's Day. In 1921. 1921. So that's really fresh. Yes, the family would still be very raw from everything that had happened because it sounds like she was loved. Mm-hmm. So as you can imagine, the whole town was an uproar with the devastation that was happening to this house and the, the windows being smashed and everything that was going on. And they felt um, that the family felt that if this was May, it was a very strange way of watching and guarding the family. But uh, they they hoped that now that this message had been passed on from May that the uh, poltergeist activity would stop and the poor old uh, police were getting very tired. They weren't getting much sleep and um, the poor old people of Gyra were all to be disappointed because they they had a day or two off after the, uh, the attempted communication, but then it started up again and this time it went back into broad daylight. So now uh, we're up to the 15th of uh, April and uh, the whole of the family have gone out to work in a nearby paddock. And while they're out there, their whole house was trashed. Um, it was severely damaged. The windows that had been stoutly barricaded with wooden shutters and nailed up with battens were smashed in. The shutters and battens were lying on the ground on the veranda together with a large stone. Uh, the the poor family, they were just like gobsmacked that somebody would come and, and do this to their house. But they weren't working that far away from the house and you'd think that sort of noise would... would you'd hear it. You'd hear it. Mm-hmm. So why didn't they hear any of this? Uh, but they, they were just gutted to, to have all of this happen. Now, at this stage, we have some people who come in to investigate, but... We're, we're already so far down this rabbit hole and there is so much more to come. So, Renata, I, th- I think we need to pull it up and make this a two-parter. I think so because there's too many juicy details with regard to the rest of the story that really need to be told. Yeah. And we wouldn't do it justice if we now just tried to fit it all I, in I within five or ten minutes. I would be it. There's yep. so much more yep. information to come and... Um, the possibilities of what we think might have happened. So, sadly, we're not going to tell you whether we think it's a true haunting or not at no. this stage. We're going to leave you hanging your knickers, your suspenders, while we leave you for this week. Thank you for joining us on True Hauntings and make sure you join us next week for part two of the Gyra Poltergeist Haunting. 
believe me, it's worth it. So we hope we've just enticed you enough to bring you back next week for part two. In the meantime, we shall see you on the dark side. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of True Hauntings. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. For more on Anne and Renata, follow at Anne and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Or visit their website, www.annandrenata.com. True Hauntings is a part of the Human Labs Podcast Network. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.